Please have a seat. before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah told God's people to expect his coming. With powerful supernatural insight, Isaiah said, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have, sh- you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We're now going to sing a Christmas carol that captures this great longing. Come thou long expected Jesus, please stand. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Stephen. I'm one of the ministers here. It's great to get the chance to celebrate Christmas with you. The other day, my wife and I were remembering what it is about uh, this time of year that reminds us most of Christmas and makes us nostalgic. And it was mostly things that made us nostalgic that remind us of Christmas, things from when we were kids. And um, for me, it was things like the smell of mangoes or because I'm from New South Wales, it, it was the sound of cicadas when they're, they're deafening in the trees and the hot and the humid nights. Uh, or, or for me, it was the fruit that's ready at Christmas. Daddy grew heaps of fruit trees, and so it was the apricots that are the sizes of peaches and peaches that are the sizes of mangoes. All those kind of things just made me think of Christmas. And there's one that's a little bit strange. Whenever I think of, of mowing the lawn when it's hot, it makes me think of Christmas. Basically, what would happen is um, when school finished, mum... She would get us doing all these jobs in the, the days leading up to Christmas. So mowing the lawn, cleaning the windows, washing the cars, rearranging the linen cupboard. And the way that she managed to motivate us to do all this is she told us that we were getting ready for Christmas. Now, I always struggled to see the connection as a kid. You know, I didn't really get how cleaning the cars and, and washing all the windows was getting ready for Christmas. But, you know, in the excitement of it all as a kid, I just kind of went along with it. Now, looking back and joining the dots, what I can see is that mum would have made 
an amazing used car sales lady. She wanted us out of her hair, she wanted clean windows, and she used Christmas to get both of them. Now, in that last carol, just as it started, Sally read a part of the Bible that's connected to the first Christmas. It's part of the way that God was getting the world ready for Christmas. But at first, it can be a bit tricky to see the link. In fact, Christmas, the story, seeing how it fits together and how it has any relevance to the world today at all, can be quite tricky. It can feel a little bit like trying to understand what washing a car has to do with getting ready for Christmas. Most of us know the general gist of the story, you know, babies born in the manger, angels say, hey, this is good news for the world, this is peace for the world. But it all feels pretty random if you don't really know the context. Well, that's where that part of the Bible that Sally read just before helps a bit. It was written 700 years before Jesus was even born And what it does is it gives us a bit of an insight into the bigger picture of what Christmas is all about. And the first kind of big picture thing that we see is that God said Jesus would shine light in the darkness. Christmas is about Jesus coming to shine light in the darkness. Look again at how God says this through Isaiah. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah talked about this world as being a place of of gathering gloom and darkness. And history shows that it often feels like this. You know, things are going along wonderfully, the sun's shining, and then out of nowhere, along comes a drought or a recession or a pandemic, or very often the threat of war is growing and growing. 700 years before Jesus was born, in in Isaiah's day, the gathering clouds was the threat of war with a country called Assyria, an empire that was growing stronger and stronger, and war was looking more and more likely. And Isaiah, in his book, he tells them that the gloom and the darkness from that threat of war all around them actually had at its source a greater gloom and darkness that was actually inside all of them. Inside of them was a darkness that led them away from God and towards selfishness and greed and a lack of compassion and all the things that mess up our world. Another thing I remember from Christmas time, as I was reflecting on it, was watching movies in school holidays. I I sort of figured mum's strategy for surviving holidays was swinging between getting us doing jobs and getting us watching TV. But anyway, around Christmas time, we'd watch those Christmas specials like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I don't know if you remember the ones, they're basically like puppets on strings. They were pretty woeful. But if it wasn't them, it was things we'd we'd taped off TV. Like um, our favourite was The Gods Must Be Crazy. I don't know if you've seen this before, but it's basically about a Botswanan tribe that lives in a a kind of desert garden of Eden, untouched by the the evils of civilization or Coca-Cola, untouched by greed and selfishness. And I think, I remember just thinking as a kid, that place just sounded awesome and amazing. But a few years back, I actually heard of a guy who travelled to Botswana to go and find these guys. I don't know what he was thinking, like he'd he'd, um, joined them, I guess he would have packed pretty light if all you need is a loincloth. But he, he thought he'd go and join them. But you know what he found? 
he found that they didn't actually exist. He found that Botswana and Bushmen are right, but this idea of a desert garden of Eden that he was hoping for just was a made-up illusion. Most of the dark things from his own culture, he said, he found, he found right there in the desert in Botswana in different ways in theirs. And there was sickness and selfishness and the struggle to survive. No one is immune from this. What Isaiah saw in his time, it's true for all of us. God says that in the book of Isaiah, that when he looks at this world, yes, he sees just a beautiful, wonderful place, but it's a place that's tainted by a darkness that lurks inside all of us. There's a gloom. And God says the source of this gloom is because we all shut him out. And God sees what most of us don't really see. God sees that trying to live without him is like the earth trying to live without the sun. In the end, there's only darkness and cold and death. And without God, it's the same. We need him. Now, that doesn't feel like a very Christmassy kind of idea, does it? Light feels Christmassy and darkness doesn't. But until we kind of get our heads around the darkness, of course we won't be able to join the dots of Christmas and appreciate how Jesus is the light. We won't understand Christmas. As you know, great as it is, singing Silent Night by Glow Sticks, the truth is it's not really overwhelming when you don't appreciate the darkness, the feel, the weight of the darkness around you. And unless we see the world like God does as a place of gathering darkness and gloom, and see that that's a problem, then of course we're not going to understand how Jesus as the sun rising like at the dawn is such a wonderful solution. In the house where I grew up, uh, there's this room downstairs um, that's, that's below the ground, so at all times of the day, it's actually completely pitch black when the lights are off. And when I moved away uh, from home to go to uni, my brother took over my room, as brothers tend to do, And so when I came home in the holidays, I had to sleep down in this dungeon room. And my sister also had a room uh, down in this dungeon place. And uh, she she worked in a bakery, so she'd get up at 3am in the morning. But this, this particular day, she was not there, but her alarm clock was still set for 3am in the morning. It was, it was my first day back at home. And my room in, in, at uni was huge. It had like a kitchenette and everything. So at 3am in the, in the morning, when I got woken up, you can just imagine what it was like. I jumped out and slammed straight into a wall. For some reason, that didn't really help my confusion, so I turned around and slammed into another wall. After about five minutes of playing pinball with my head, I was starting to panic until finally I remembered where I was and struggled along finding the light, my sister's alarm, and planning my revenge. That kind of panic, that place of, of darkness, that, that picture in desperate need of a light, that's the kind of picture we have here. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, God said Jesus would be light in that kind of panicked darkness. Now, Brian mentioned it before. Today, 2,700 years later, after Isaiah's time, you don't have to look that hard to see the dark kind of clouds around us in our world, do we? Our world is still beautiful, it's wonderful, but it's not what it should be. You know, just open the news app and there's stories of COVID, stories of 
tragic loss. Stories of increasing tension in our world. These stories, they gather around us like dark clouds. And then in our own lives, we have our own personal stories where we're touched by these kind of clouds, sickness or depression, loneliness, loss or addiction. But in Isaiah, as we join up the dots of Christmas, God is promising that Jesus is coming to be like the coming of dawn, to shine light into this kind of darkness. And this brings us to the second thing that God says all those years ago about Jesus. God said Jesus would bring joy. To understand Christmas, we need to understand what God intends to do by it. He intends to bring joy. Look at verse 3. We read, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest. Join the dots of Christmas. And it's all about the way that God takes this world from gloom to joy. At my place, we've just finished harvesting cherries. Uh, The first year we planted the tree, we got maybe six cherries. This year, we got over 300 cherries. It was awesome. Harvesting fruit like that, it's such a happy time. Where it's like a happy ending to all the, the pruning, all the watering, all the shooing away of the uh, birds and the dog and the kids. Jesus is, is promised to bring a happy ending like a harvest like that. That's what Christmas is all about. It's the beginning of the happy ending. It's just the beginning, but it shows that the happy ending really is coming. For Isaiah... Like I said before, the the gathering gloom that they felt most acutely was the rise of Assyria and the threat of war. And and so the picture of joy that he sees is the end of all war. Look at verse 5. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. Now for us, the the clouds and kind of gloom in our lives is, is less so the threat of war Maybe for us, a different picture captures the light that Jesus promises to bring. Maybe it's the end of sickness, the end of loneliness or sadness or addiction. Maybe it's the end of the threat of global warming. But the point is that Jesus will bring joy because he'll deal with the source of not just each gloom, but of all gloom and all darkness. And in Isaiah, we see something of how he'll do this. And this brings us to the last thing that God says about Jesus here all those years ago. God said that Jesus would rule perfectly forever. To understand Christmas and what it's all about, we need to see that it's, it's about the coming of the leader that God says we need. Look at verse 6. Isaiah writes, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there'll be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. What this world needs for peace, for true joy, is a great leader. It shouldn't be surprising to us that that's what this world needs. Deep down, people are always longing for great leaders. We're disillusioned by our leaders. And yet, at every election, we're always hoping that someone great is going to come along, someone sensible who can actually make a real difference, someone genuine. 
when Barack Obama became president in the US, Kevin Rudd said about him, he's the hope of our time. We always have hope for great leaders. And yet it feels like we never see them. We hear stories of leaders from the past. But even then, the truth is, all leaders disappoint. But God says, all leaders except this one. This leader will get the job done. This leader will disperse the darkness forever and bring joy. Think about that. War, sickness, loneliness, depression, meaningless inequality. In his own time, he'll get rid of them forever. That sounds too good to be true. And when we think of, of the details of the Christmas story, you know, a baby in a feeding trough, born to poor parents, who is God himself come down, it's hard to see how all this fits with God's plan to give us the great leader we need. But did we really think that God would do things how we think he should do things? If every other human leader disappoints us, did we really think God was just going to give us more of the same? God gives us a leader born not in pride and, and privilege, but in humility. Not in power and riches, but in poverty. A leader whose style and, and example and, and message is almost unrecognizable to us. A leader who's interested not in the number of followers he has, but in each follower. A leader who's not interested in us thinking that he's telling the truth, but is actually interested in the truth. A leader with all authority already, and yet who lays that aside, lays it all aside, to win back the ones who have rebelled against his authority. A leader who gives his own life to win life and joy for us. Join the dots and, and what we see at Christmas is God giving us the leader that we desperately need. A while ago I was, I was in Europe and uh, we drove through these tunnels from Italy into Switzerland. I don't know if you've ever done it before but don't. These tunnels, they go on and on for like 20 kilometres. It's ridiculous. They're pretty scary actually. It's dark, it's narrow, you're driving on the wrong side of the road... Anything can happen. And finally, though, after what feels like an eternity in these tunnels, you catch a, a view of the light at the end of the tunnel. And then all of a sudden, your car is, is flooded with light and you enter the most amazing scene, wonderland that you could ever imagine. It's so beautiful. We just couldn't keep driving when we were there. There was snow on the mountain peaks. There was a crystal clear stream. There were raspberries and blueberries growing along. I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. It was exactly like that. Well, Isaiah, he saw the light at the end of the tunnel. That's what we've been hearing today. He saw the birth of Jesus. And for those of us who've come to know Jesus, we know he really is the leader we need. It's like we've emerged from that tunnel into this beautiful mountain scene. We haven't quite pulled up the car and jumped out yet. But we're just at that point on the edge of the tunnel, half in, half out, still in the gloom of this world, but seeing the joy that's coming. Our destiny when Jesus returns is a world with all darkness removed. That's our future. That's what we celebrate at Christmas, the hope of the world. There's only one hope for our time. It's not Obama. It's not Trump. 
It's not Biden or ScoMo or Albanese. It's not even Labashay. It's not ourselves. It's not education or science or even religion. It's Jesus. Is he your hope? If you're tired of this world's leaders, if you're tired of the gloom that is all around us in this world, why don't you look into the one who actually shines light into the darkness? Why don't you investigate the one who actually brings real and lasting joy? It's not hard to investigate Jesus. All you do is you read about what he said and what he did in one of the biographies of his life. That's how easy it is. If you're someone who's here and and you want to do that with me, I would love to, to do that with you. If you're someone who's just visiting, I'm sure the person who brought you along would love to read one of the biographies of Jesus' life with you. It's that easy to do. Just ask them. It can't hurt anything, but you might find that it changes everything for you. I'm going to hand back to Brian. Thank you, Stephen. We're going to keep singing now. We're going to uh, take a good look at this hope of the world. Please stand and we'll sing Hark the Herald together. Let's go. 
while we stand. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of our fears and whatever darkness we're walking through, as well as in the good times, Jesus is the king we need. Jesus is the king that you have given us. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies. Father, we thank you that Jesus came to bring joy in this festive season as we enjoy being with friends and family and the fruit of the harvest. Remind us that there's a feast to be found in trusting Jesus, the ultimate master of the banquet. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Father, in a world where conflict and hopelessness presses in on us, We thank you that Jesus is our Prince of Peace. Come to bring light and life, healing, reconciliation and restoration. And we thank you for all these great Christmas truths. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please have a seat.
Oh